everybody, welcome back to the One's Ready Podcast. We have Chief Showholm. I got that right? Yeah, you did, yeah. Boom! All right, appreciate you joining us. So you're not familiar with the podcast at all, so you got kind of thrown in. Do you, I'm not sure if you're tracking how all this happened. One of your guys yeah. uh, just was kind of interested in podcasts. He's like, what are you guys doing here? So we started talking to him about it, and, and he's like, we're trying to get him on. Yeah. And uh, he's like, ah, Mike would have done great, by the way. I, that's what I said. Yeah. I was like, dude, you... Like, come on! This yeah. is—we want to talk to everybody. And uh, but he was like, "No, I got a—I got a perfect guy for you." So that's why—that's why you're up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So, what's your, what's your background? Yeah, so I did—I uh, joined in 2001 uh, from Wisconsin, uh, enlisted with uh, you know no real goals, and and got thrown into what what is now the RPA world. So MQ1, MQ9. Uh, spent about 20 years doing that. No kidding, right? And you're still doing that? No. Uh, I got fortunate enough to get, get hired as a, uh, a group chief out of McConnell uh, working with the tankers, uh, KC-46 and KC-135. Okay, awesome. Well, well, that's a... How'd that happen? Just because you did a 9G crossflow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I, I know you don't know who I am, so I'm a JTAC by trade, combat controller, so I have lots of time on the ground with your sensor operator. Yeah, uh, yeah. we love you guys. MQ1s, MQ9s. Yeah. So first and foremost, thanks for what you guys do for us because there have been many times where we have had some long, late nights and uh, I can remember one in particular where we, uh, I had been calling casts for many, many hours and I hadn't slept. And I started getting to a point where I was kind of worried about the grids that, that I was passing. Yeah. I wasn't, my confidence level wasn't there. And there were these three guys that we were trying to get. And because they had been attacking us, kind of harassing fire. And it's like, all right, you've been doing this for a while. And they'd, they'd bound and hide again. It's kind of like, all right, well, you guys are following them. Cool. I'm going to get it, take a nap. I'm going to keep my headphones on, my radio going. And then as soon as you guys get feel comfortable and we know where they're going, just yell a couple times in the radio, and then I'll wake up. <laughs> that's exactly what we did. Generated a new nine line and freaking smoked those guys. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so the 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 whole remotely piloted aircraft community has really changed a lot in the way that, and I won't focus on RPAs. I'm just focusing on them a little bit because we yeah. actually haven't had an RPA dude on here. Um, are they still owned by the Intel community, the A2? Oh, goodness gracious. So uh, I'm pretty sure I'd get some pitchforks. Uh, that's a good question. And, and the, uh, the debate always rages between, you know, A2 and A3. And, and thou shalt never be, you know, truly friendly with each other. <laughs> um, you know, my optic after 20 years, I think, I think you cannot ignore the, the, the value of, of the intel that those platforms provide. Um, but you also can't ignore the tremendous value of persistent attack, the ability to, the ability to you know, follow someone and give somebody a peace of mind to, to bed down and then strike a couple hours later. There's not a lot of platforms that can do that. And so, I, I don't. Josh's personal opinion. I don't think. I don't think the A2 or the A3 get to get to own either of that, that that asset. No, and that that wasn't a setup question. It's just that I knew. Yeah. That there was some friction points oh, in there because, yeah. I like. The MQ-9 community, and, and I agree with this, 
like to think of themselves as, as more of a cast platform, sure. an attack platform, which is, I think, right on. Yeah, it has other capabilities, but as a guy on the ground that likes that capability, likes the loiter time, likes the, the eyes that you have, the ability to have somebody sitting at 1G with mul multiple people at 1G with the amount of data that you guys have, it's yeah. almost too much. Having having went in, having Saw gone into some of the yeah. some of the cockpits with the twenty six whips, yeah. it's like I don't know how you guys are handling all this. But yeah. um, with that, the amount of ordnance that you guys can carry too, and then they have a two ship, that's huge to me. Yeah, and, and I know that there were some friction points with that. I don't know if you, were you part of any of that that kind of initiative to get it going oh, oh yeah man so so back in back in 2002 when i first started flying them um nobody knew what they were right they were like we would call up on the radio and they'd be like i don't know what to do with you go look at this right um and so in, in that world very much the a2 right and then as the the really smart people got the weapons on the platform and we were like no we can actually do this thing you know, we can we can do the more ops combat type stuff. You, you'd see the friction between the crews who who wanted to be a bit things out and the and intel were trying to get the, the data they needed. Yeah, yeah, it's and I I do, I mean I may have been guilty of that too. <laughs> the whole like I don't know what to do with you. I'm not familiar with you. I know some of the early on challenges were the the actual just communication mm -hmm. uh, because there weren't necessarily radios on board that we could talk to yep. VHF UHF yep and so I'm kind of like I'm out in the field I don't have Merc you uh, know? there's I, I would tell you there's probably still a couple O6s around the Air Force that are frustrated with the non-standard nature of radios on those platforms we're getting better though it's good oh yeah and as the future goes on with some of the other platforms that are really coming out it the future looks bright. That's what I'll say. So transitioning a little bit from uh, sensor operator to now boom, yeah. kind of like what's what's the scope of your responsibility where you're at now as the group chief? Yeah, well, so uh, let me let me clarify for the benefit of my booms. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do a senior operator course for for boom operator, so I get to fly on them and, and watch how amazing they are, um, but uh, not a boom. Uh, would love to do the job. Uh, absolutely love what they do. It's amazing, um, but it's a it's a it's a group chief uh, job, and so the the scope is a couple hundred, you know, six six seven hundred people across multiple squadrons, leading leading airmen and and championing and cheering them. You know. Yeah. No, exactly. And I like that you said that your booms are amazing because they really are. I know, and I always I always bring up this one boom. Uh, it's call signs Vandal. And he's over at Milton Hall now. But I saw him during a weapon school integration bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, where, where Airborne C2, I can't remember if they maintenance delayed or maintenance and, and had to go home or they were shot down. Whatever, whatever. I'm not here to say one way or the other. but And just because Vandal paid attention to everybody's fuel plan, everybody's remaining fuel, uh, what assets so were going yeah. to different agile, oh, yeah. different ACE locations. He ran the debris from the fuel point and then planned for the next day what things were going to go because he was the only person. And it, it sounds bad that nobody was paying attention. People were paying attention, but they're also flying. They're they're avoiding threats. They're trying not to run into other aircraft. There, but he paid attention, just writing everything down. And him as a tech sergeant, if I remember right. 
plan the entire fuel plan for the next day because yeah. we had a lot of traffic gas. 100%. And, and it, you're right, they're amazing. <clears throat> Their ability to comprehend all the fuel plans. Well, AMC kind of blows my mind, man, you know, and, and this is something, I, this is probably true for all of AMC, but coming, coming to AMC from Air Combat Commands, uh, you know, pointy nose jets, RPAs, that was my life. You know, a little bit of support for AFSOC and guys on the ground and, and not really thinking about the logistics of warfare that AMC deals with every day, right? And so when you when you look at, sure, you, you know, you got the pilots and the booms, but then like your your two T1s, your you know, your port dogs, you got your Intel support, you got your your one Charlie SARM troops, all all these enlisted airmen and, and officers that that make these jets fly is incredible. And like they take it for granted. Like all of AMC takes what they do for granted. They don't they don't realize how mind blowing it is. Like if I were to tell you that you could go on a road trip from California to New York and you wouldn't have to stop for gas, because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have a, a Corvette come up from behind you, pull in front of you, and I'm gonna refuel you while you're on the road, you know, going up and down the hills. That would be pretty crazy to think about at like sixty miles an hour, seventy miles an hour, right? But then, take that mindset, have it in the air, add a couple digits to that speed um, in three dimensions with airflow, and it, it's incredible. And they do it without even thinking about it, like it's effortless. Yep. Like, oh yeah, we're going to launch this massive aircraft in 10 hours for a mission we just planned, um, and, and they just do it every day like it's just no big, big deal. And I will tell you, it's a big deal it's incredible it yeah and you got multiple aircraft in tow so you're not just refueling my car fly behind that corvette you're refueling three four five six other people as well that are all right well who needs more gas and it's not like it just a boom right up there they're fly, after flying in a b2 sim that i failed miserably at flying was fine trying to air refuel that is tough so all that and then something goes wrong or somebody's having problems you know getting on the probe things can go bad real fast well, and, and again like until you've you know until you sat in a 135 a kc10 a, a kc46 and you've seen it happen in air you just can't fully appreciate it no. it's it's amazing especially so i haven't been on a on a 46 or a 10 but i've got a good amount of time on a on a 135 yeah and their little window, right? That that little window, and, and I'm a little I'm a little guy, yeah. so I can just shimmy on in there. But I'm like, <laughs> this is crazy back here. I'm just resting my forehead on, and yeah, man, it's it's bonkers. And it's not like okay, yeah, you got MVG and stuff like that, but in bad weather, and now they're doing it low low, uh, low altitude refueling too. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's serious business, and nobody's going anywhere without fuel. Nope. And then there's there's a new crane that is being used. Um, I think it's called a Pratt Pratt crane or PR. I'm probably messing up the acronym, but I know they've started using it on the 135 to now because you can take pallet. I'm am kind of saying it for the audience, not for you, obviously, but you could take palletized cargo. Yeah. So if we need to refuel or rearm people, you guys can take cargo. And, that and lift, personnel. Yeah, and personnel. Yeah. And lifting all that stuff, getting it loaded in there. And, the, and it's incredible. It's a, AMC is no longer about taking cargo. It's no. no longer just about 
fueling or air refueling. It's so much more. It's the whole logistics train. Well, look, look and, and, and again, you, you know, AMC is, and this is, this is why I was so excited. Like, I fought to come to AMC. Like, that was my number one choice. You know, as, as a chief, you, you get a little bit of say, not a lot of bit of say, no. as you know, <laughs> but you get a little bit of leeway on, on where, you know, you get hired. And um, McConnell, my, my base was my number one pick. I, this is where I wanted to be because everybody, every general throughout history will tell you wars are won and lost by logistics. Oh, yeah. And that is what AMC does, right? Like, you can have the best fighters. You can have the best missiles. You can have the best soldiers and sailors, but unless you can get them to the fights and keep them in the fight, it doesn't really matter. And it, it's just, it's, it's been amazing to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Logistics wins wars, yeah. without a doubt. Or so, loses them, as or Russia knows. Or loses them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our demographic is 15 to 25, maybe 30-year-olds that, that are interested in joining the Air Force. Yeah, great. Um, Mixture of high school, college, ROTC, just folks right off the street. Yeah. Um, so what would be one like piece of advice, or maybe a couple pieces of advice, that you would give to those folks who were looking to join? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing I would tell you is you're not going to lose your identity, right? So if, if, you're a, if you're a sports enthusiast, if you're a video gamer... You know, it, whatever your hobby is, you're not going to lose that when you join. I think a lot of people, particularly if you don't have a military background or a military family, they they see the military and they get scared that they're going to lose themselves, right? right. Basic training is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. Tech school is going to be tightly constrained, constrained but after that, um, you're, you're going to have your free time. You're going to, and so the, the first thing I would say is, um, you know, don't be afraid that you're going to lose your hobbies. Don't don't be afraid that you're going to lose who you are or that the military is going to microchip you or something and change <laughs> your personality, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're going to you're going to leave out the other end, you're going to be better at walking to a command um, but you're still going to be the same person before you joined. Yeah. Um, is probably the first thing I would say because you know, I think you know talking to folks, I think there's a lot of fear of that, right? Like can I still play sports? Can I still play my video games, you know? And absolutely. That's the first thing I would say. The second I would say is um, it takes all kinds, right? Uh, we, we need everybody who wants to serve this country. And so if you're an introvert, an extrovert, uh, wherever you come from, we, we need you, right? Um, you're you're going to be welcomed. And the beauty of the military and the terror of the military is that it is the ultimate meritocracy. Oh, yeah. You know, we're going to give you the rules that you need to be successful and to advance and progress. Um, some people may have an opinion about that, and, and you know, you're going to get the results that you put in, which isn't true, I don't think, for, for all professions and careers. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunity. I think, you know, for a guy like me, um, I had a wonderful upbringing, amazing family, um, but I, I grew what I would call, uh, you know, lower middle class, middle class, right? Which is say I had a wonderful childhood. Um, but, but to be part of what I've been a part of and see what I've, see what I've done, I, I never could have achieved that. I, I firmly believe um, as a civilian. The military gave me opportunities and grew me in a way that I never expected. And I think, you know, for most of us that have been in for 20 plus years, I think we can say that looking back. Like, I can't believe... The 18-year-old numbskull that I was when I joined 
to the professional that, that has, the military has made me into. Um, and then the last thing I would say, you know, a, a piece of advice. So <clears throat> I think, you know, everybody wants to feel like their life matters. They want to feel like, like there's a purpose to their existence. Um, you join the military, whatever branch it is, whatever fits best for you, um, you're never going to question that, right? You, you deploy to serve a country. The People may have an opinion about that, but when you're on the ground taking care of, of whatever it is you're taking care of, you're going to see the effects, and you're going to have that for the rest of your life. And along with that, we're going to give you a second family, yep. right? We're going to give you a group of misfits that, that come from all spectrums of the world that are together in mutual weirdness and we're going to be a family um, and it's it's incredible and you know after 22 years which is how long I've been in um, good times bad times but it's always the people it's always the people it's always the friendship the camaraderie you know every you know everybody's got a bad boss right but 10 years later I don't remember that I mean, I do, but yeah. it's it's the people around them, right? It's the people around you know. You go I know exactly. What you, mean. you learn, and and I always tell people, you learn more from the bad bosses yeah. than you do the good bosses. And, and you survive like, them. Yeah, you yeah. do survive them. <laughs> no, I exactly. I know exactly yeah. where you're going for. No, I and I appreciate it. People and the people that you meet are the common denominator oh, in all of that. So I, I appreciate you saying that, and then I also appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I appreciate it. It was nice meeting yeah, you, too. Nice to meet you, too, bud. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, have a good one. You, too.